Good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to uh, the book of John tonight. We're continuing the I Am series that we have begun. Um, tonight, we're talking about I Am the Gate. Your version may say that I Am the Door. Um, and tonight, we want to start that in John chapter 10. Um, John t- chapter 10 begins with three different shepherd stories, if you will. Um, and our focus tonight will be on verses 7 through 10, but we're going to uh, kind of set that up a little bit, set the stage for that a little bit um, in reading um, the first six verses as well. So John chapter 10 We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Verily, truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them all his when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Um, first of all, I'm going to say like the most understatement of all statements that I could say here is the fact that Jesus is one pretty smart dude. I think that's kind of, you can put that on Facebook and Twitter. You can quote me. Jesus is one pretty smart dude. All right. And so he, in the context of this, there's some things in here that, that I want us to, to delve into, uh, tonight, just to give us a, a little bit of of the backdrop. He likens um, the Pharisees to thieves and robbers who would mistreat sheep for their own selfish gain, and he likens himself to the true shepherd. Pastor Eric's going to talk about that next week. I am the good shepherd. Tonight we're not hitting that far, but I want us to get this thought process in our minds. The shepherd in this figure is referred to as one who would have charge over combined flocks of several families in the village. When he breaks out into this shepherd story, this is very much something that the people that he's talking to um, that were around, the crowd that he was around, would relate to. He did that a lot. He, he took context of things that were very familiar to them and likened them into spiritual things so that they could understand more. But it says here that the Pharisees couldn't understand this. They couldn't, couldn't grasp this thought. But what would happen is, in a village, a shepherd would come to the gate of a home um, each day for the purpose of taking sheep out to pasture along with his. He would take others as well. And so he would, on hearing the familiar call of the shepherd, the one inside the home would then 
come and to the gate and he would open the gate and each one would go following that distinctive call of the shepherd. They would call the sheep to where they were going to have their grazing time. It would be a distinctive tune. Sometimes they would play a flute um, and it would be a distinctive tune, a distinctive call that the sheep would hear and that would cause them to follow that shepherd. And once they got to the place where they were going to be, uh, they typically the place, the pen, if you will, was something that, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too, it was something that would be enveloped with a fence-type material, would be like a, sh- a sheep pen, and on top of the sheep pen, there would be thorns in place that would not allow predators to come in any other way. And in and out of that sheep pen, there was one gate or one door. Only one way in and one way out. And so these first uh, six uh, verses, Jesus is kind of setting this thought process up for those that are around them, um, giving the context of with the Pharisees and with those who would try to lead people astray. Let's go and, and pick up in verse 7. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Um, We'll talk about a few things as it relates to this particular text tonight. Um, This is a picture of an open pasture where sheep are, are tend to graze. In the summer months, when it was warmer, they would stay the night there. And the shepherd would then um, be the security for the sheep, and the shepherd would sleep at the gate so that no one could go in, no one could go out, unless they went through the shepherd to get to the sheep. They would be uh, constructed that way. Um, once the sheep were safely in the pen, the shepherd would serve himself as the door, positioning himself to sleep at the lone entrance to the sheep pen. At one time, the same man could said to be both shepherd and the gate or the gatekeeper or the door. Thus kind of giving us this idea whenever he would say, I am the gate or I am the door. What he's saying is I'm the only way into this Pen. I'm the only way into this area where my sheep are. It's the only way you can get to where the sheep are kept. So he's giving us that example of, of, of both, that mixed metaphor, um, which we'll talk about next week when he says, I'm the good shepherd and I am the door. That's kind of the people understood what he was saying when that would happen, when he's saying both of those things. And so they kind of work one with the other. Do you understand kind of what I'm talking about here? It's not just, it's not two separate entities. Because, you know, you can read that and you can look, it says, I am the door. 
Well, what do you think of when you think of a door? That, right? Or on the gate. We used to have gates at, at uh, um, you know, when you're going into a chain link fence or something like that, you got one gate. And if someone says, I am the door, and then all of a sudden they say, I am the good shepherd, if you just read that on surface, you would probably think that that's two different analogies, that's two different things, that's two different properties, when in fact they both kind of walk together because of the nature of what is taking place here and the analogy that's given. Those, in, as I said earlier, Jesus is one pretty smart dude, and those that were around would have gotten that context. I am the gate. I am the door. Um, and so as, as we look into this aspect of gates and, and the, what the Lord talks about here, um, I, I want us to understand a, a couple of things. As I read this past, passage of Scripture, especially from 7 um, on through 10, it's really dealing with this idea of salvation. It's dealing with this idea of who is going to be the one who you would call your shepherd. Did you know that by nature, sheep are pretty stupid? And, and in reality, you know, many times we're called sheep. Don't take that personal. I am one too, okay? Um, we, we are called sheep because we tend to kind of get led astray different times. And, and that's why it's so important, as he talked about in the context of this message, of this text tonight, that it's important that we recognize his voice. It's important that we recognize and stay close to the shepherd and don't wander off on our own. Because when you wander off away from the shepherd, you become lost. Not that the shepherd wouldn't go out and try to find the lost sheep. Not that he doesn't go out and seek after us. But when you get away from the shepherd's voice and you get away from that that. Uh, that that call or that that air, that that good shepherd. I'm getting sorry. I'm not trying to go farther than I need to because I got to leave him material for next week. But um, when you get farther away from that, we become lost, and we need to understand that we're as sheep. How important it is that we hear His voice and that we recognize Him. And the only way you do that is by familiarity. First time the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, it's probably a little difficult, don't you think? How many of you have pets? First time you called your, your little puppy by name, did they come running? Probably not. They may come running because you had a treat in your hand, or you had a big piece of steak for them or something. They may have come running then, but the more that they got used to your voice, my, my grandfather had bird dogs. And uh, he would keep him out in the pen. And all my grandfather would have to do is just whistle. And those dogs, man, they're just like, Whoa. I know who that is. They recognize the whistle. And they would be jumping up and down and everything else. I'd go out there and whistle, and they'd come and look at me. <laughs> I don't know you, <laughs> right? Why? 
because there was a familiarity because they had been close enough with my grandfather for so long. Same thing with sheep. The more familiar you allow yourself to hear his voice and to be close to the Lord, the closer you'll be in relationship and you'll know his voice. That's why he says, the sheep know my voice. Why is that? Because my sheep are close enough to hear me. And that's important. When we get to this idea of I am the door, I am the gate, I think it's important that we recognize the fact that the, the shepherd is the only, it's the security, it's the, that thought process for a abundant life. The thief comes to steal. How many times have you used this passage of Scripture? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. I want to talk tonight about what Jesus is as he talks about this passage of Scripture. The first thing that I, I know that he is is, is this, but uh, I'm going to kind of go through this and then we'll pause for discussion, okay? Jesus is the exclusive door. He's the exclusive door. Again, this is something that the people of his day would be very familiar with. They would be familiar with this customs. The sheep pen had one way for the sheep to get in and out. It had one door. It was the exclusive opening. Jesus, the master teacher here, chooses metaphor, this metaphor on purpose and uses a, a, a cool thought process of words to pack this spiritual punch when he says, I am the door, or I am the gate. We are given to understand that the only door, that's the only way that a sheep can make it into the fold, is through that gate, through that door. If the sheep goes through, doesn't enter through that door, they're not in the fold for the evening. So many analogies here. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm not going to say that because we're in the sheep pen, that doesn't mean we don't face trials and we don't face difficult seasons. But there's one thing that I know that in the sheep pen, I will never be destroyed. There's one thing I know, that in the sheep pen, I will never be killed. Oh, you can kill this body, but this guy lives forever in the sheep pen. Follow what I'm saying? The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He can't steal anything from me because he has to go through the door the gate to get there if I'm in the sheep pen. Can't steal my joy. Can't steal my life. Can't steal my heart. Can't steal that from me. Why? Because it doesn't belong to him. I'm the shepherds. But if I choose to be outside and don't go through that door, the way I understand this and the way I read that, it's kind of fair game. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've seen that happen in the lives of so many people who didn't make the choice to go through the gate. They stayed out in the darkness, away from the protection of the shepherd, and found themselves in a place of vulnerability. Jesus is the one door by which we must enter or we will be outside of the kingdom of God. You've probably found this to be true. You know, religion, they don't work. It's not about how many good deeds you can do. It's not about all the things that can happen. We can be as religious as we want to be, but religion devotes itself to demonstrating our own goodness and our own worthiness and its lack of eternal benefit. Jesus says, I am the only gate. I'm the only way. In today's society, that's kind of intolerant, isn't it? What do you mean? There's all kinds of ways. I got to tell you, that bumper sticker drives me crazy that says coexist. I know this is going public, and that's okay. It drives me nuts that somehow, some way, we can all find our own path to heaven by going our own way and doing our own thing, and, and somehow we'll just all end up where we're in the sheep pen, and that's not the way the Bible teaches. I know that's, that goes against everything in our, our society today, but um, we become in, unpopular, we're intolerant, and the worst thing that we can do is to say something like, Jesus is the only way in our politically correct society. But tolerance can be such a can be such a trap. It can be such a devastating thing. Because if tolerance is our chief value, then we become wishy-washy ourselves. And the way I see it, and this is just my thoughts on this, the more tolerant you are, the less you're hearing the shepherd's voice. The more tolerant you are, the less you're understanding what God really is calling us to do. He's calling us to be set apart. He's calling us to go through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets in the sheep pen except through his gate and his door. The difference for us, you talk about that idea of and you're, the, the version that you read, rich and satisfying life. The problem is a lot of people read that and we don't put the eternal lens over it. We put the temporal lens over it. And anytime you try to put temporal over eternal, you're going to get a mixed up viewpoint of what is happening here. Um, as I read through Scripture and I read through the teachings of Christ, Jesus had an eternal viewpoint in mind through his teaching. It wasn't 
the temporal things that we can lay our hands on and touch and see. Everything had some eternal value, had an eternal significance. And I think sometimes we fall into this trap as um, humans, the flesh and blood side of us, of looking at things through a temporal lens instead of an eternal lens. And so when we talk about that thought process of um, he comes to give us life and life to the full or rich and satisfying, we're thinking, man, woohoo, right? But that's not necessarily the case because it's not about with Jesus and God. It's not about the temporal. It's about the eternal. And that's one thing he is, and, and that's the concept that's being taught here by him, is that this is an eternal concept. You have to grasp this. Yes, he uses a very physical, temporal illustration with the sheep pen and the gate and the door, but even though it's a very physical illustration, it's a very eternal principle that we have to understand. And so... He uses that thought process. And if we try to, we have to sometimes, and I, I'm not preaching down to you, because sometimes I, I, we all do this. And so we all have to watch what lens we're using. When I look at life, when I look at things, when I look at his word, when I look at my life, when I look at the things that God wants us to do, we have to look at it through the eternal lens, not just the temporal lens. When it comes to raising our children, we have to look at it through the eternal lens, not just the temporal lens. When it comes to work and things that we do and things that we're a part of and relationships we're building and things that are happening, we have to look through it through eternal ministry. You have to look at eternal, not temporal. Everything. Life is that way. When you're a child of the king, and you, you, the devil wants to keep you on the temporal side of things. He's not really concerned with the eternal side because he knows that if you get in the eternal side, it exposes him. It exposes what he has. It exposes what he can offer. exposes what he can do when you start looking at the eternal side of things because the only eternity he has to offer is death. And that's why the devil wants to keep us looking at the temporal. Because it clouds our vision of the eternal. Not only is it he the exclusive door, he's also the narrow door. The narrow door. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there be many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. When, we, when, you, when you see a door, you understand the thought process, at least I think we do, that door is the access point, right? If you want to go to your house, most of you don't climb in a window unless you've locked your keys somewhere else, right? Um, typically, you want to go through the door. That's the access point. And that's where you are to enter. Um, as a matter of fact, if you're thinking about remodeling a house, um, 
you can go to Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever you buy your materials, and you can look at all kinds of things, man. You can look at showers, tubs, toilets, cabinets, all that kind of different stuff. And you can also look at doors. And some of the doors are beautiful. They've got etched glass and all the nice trim, and, and that's fine. But doors aren't really made for admiring. I don't know if you kind of get that or not. They're not really made for this admiration. They're purposeful. Because that's how you enter. That's how you gain access. Um, Jesus says that he is the narrow gate. The narrow gate. Um, There are all kinds of things that you can um, pull from that passage in Matthew 7. You can talk about um, this idea of this the, the... huge, the broad door. Um, I believe that there's a couple doors here that he talks about. One is that broad door. Um, it's the door of, of, shall we say, human achievement. It's the door of, I can do it myself. I can get to heaven on my own. Uh, most people walk through this door. Most people, if they give any thought to spiritual things at all, think in terms of doing things that will qualify them morally to be good enough to achieve heaven. Oh, I'm a good person. You don't understand. I've come from a good family. Grandma went to church every night. And doors were open, man. I'm telling you, Grandma was there. Grandma's my hero. And so we, we, we talk ourselves into this. But I, I, I volunteer down at the soup kitchen. I, I do all these great things, man. I do awesome stuff. And our version of how we get to heaven is totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. In fact, I think with that mindset, we make it more difficult than it really is. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I mean, think of how hard it would be to try to get to heaven on human achievement. Where would that line be? I heard one um, evangelist talk about that, and it was so profound when he said it. He said, you know, what would happen? Because... He got into a conversation with someone on an airplane about this same kind of deal. Doing it, oh, I've done so many good things. Oh, yeah, well, how, how, where do you think that line is of good things? Is it like here, or is it like here, or is it like here? How, how do you know? You know, how many good things does it take to get you to heaven? Where's that line? And the guy he was talking says, you know what, I, re- I really don't know. And he says, well, where do you think it is? He says, well, I think it's probably, and he asked him to move his hand. He says, I think it's somewhere probably about right there. He goes, wow, that's fascinating, man. Where'd you come up with that? He said, well, that's about 70%. And if I'm about 70% good, I, I think God looks at that and says, yeah, that's good. And then the evangelist said to the guy, he says this, oh, that's, that's an that's a interesting thought. He says, but what if you were wrong and the line was here? He says, what would you do then? He says, I don't know. He said, well, let me tell you something. You don't have to worry about where the line is. 
because you got the wrong door. You got the wrong gate. And I think in our thought processes today, and, and that's funny, and we laugh at that thought process, but there are a lot of people that believe in that. Yeah. Well, and, and there's others, too, um, you know, um, talking about Mormons. They, they seek to become gods by exalting themselves toward godhood. Um, they believe that Jesus was simply a man who became God. <clears throat> and that God the Father was once a man like us as well. And if we'll do things the right way, we can become gods. That's the Mormon religion. Jehovah Witness, they try to make themselves worthy by their good works so that they can be one of the 144,000 people that make it to heaven. Wouldn't that really stink to be in line and you'd be 144,001? And you didn't make it? New Agers and Buddhists, they try to stimulate their inner godhood inside of them. Um, Muslims, based on works, you engage in all of these different religious activity in order to um, appease Allah. The truth is that none of this gets you to heaven. None of this gets you to the sheep pen. I am the door. So if there's a door of human accomplishment... That's the broad way. There's a narrow door. That's the door of divine accomplishment. The door that's narrow. The sad thing is, as Jesus says, not many people find it. It's unattractive. It's the cross. It's unattractive to our human minds. It's unattractive to our human mindsets. Those who enter this gate, that you can't boast about anything. There's no self-achievement. There's no self-gratification of what you've done because salvation is found only through Jesus. And it rules out all the good deeds that you've done because there's none of us that are righteous. No, not one. It rules out all of the good things that, and don't get me wrong, faith without works is dead. I get that. But if I am also on works, works with no faith and no grace and no mercy means nothing. And so this thought process of, of needing to understand that salvation, the only way into heaven is found only through what Jesus did on the cross for me. He paid a price that I couldn't pay. There's only one way in. He says, I am the gate. I am the door. If all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out, and they will find pasture. They will find food. Not just physical food. They will find spiritual food. They will find growth that comes only in Him. They'll find life that comes only in Him. They'll provide substance that only comes from Him. 
Jesus paid it all. He's the only way. He's the only way. <clears throat> You're not going to get to heaven. Stand before the Lord and say, hey, but I was a good person. You're not going to say, man, I, I attended this church regularly. I was even a member. There's only one thing that's going to matter. Did you go through the gate? Did you go in the right gate? If you went in the right gate, he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you didn't, if your name's not written in that book of life, it's depart. I didn't know you. He's the narrow gate. One last door that I want to just briefly hit on tonight is this. It's the door of security. The door of security. Because in Him, as we've talked about, and I'm briefly going to hit this because we've already hit on some of this earlier. This thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but in Him, there's security. There's security in Him. No matter what happens on this temporal, earthly life, I can rest in knowing that I've gone to Jesus and my eternal existence is found in Him. There's security in that. Um, he's the doorway to abundant living. The, uh, the term, of, you know, maybe your Bible says abundantly. Mine says have it to the full. That, that word is not necessarily a word we use every day. I don't walk around and say, man, honey, I enjoyed that pot of chili abundantly. Right? We don't, we don't really typically use that kind of terminology all the time. There's a, a, a Eugene Peterson, he wrote the, uh, the Message Bible. And I, I just want to read the, that part of the Message Bible of what it says. It's, it's interesting as you look at it. It says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life. Real and eternal life. More better life than they've ever dreamed of. I've came that they may have real, eternal life. More life. More and better life than they've ever dreamed of. He came to be love in a world full of hatred. He came to be peace in a world full of turmoil. Security is found in Him. I am the gate. Let me just encourage you with this thought. Never, ever, ever be ashamed of the gate. That's the only way. And we hold in our minds and in our hearts the way to salvation. 
We found it. If a man finds a treasure, what's he do? He sells all that he has to keep the treasure. Yeah, buys the field. Yeah, we found it. Now, make sure you grab a hold of it and don't let the world tell you otherwise. And don't be ashamed of it because it is the power of God and the salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I found the gate. I got to tell somebody where the gate is because I don't want them wandering out there in the dark looking for their gate and they can't find it. I found it. I don't want them to be a product of being destroyed or killed or stolen. I want them to find life. So if I want them to find life, I need to take them to the gate. You're going to come in contact with all kinds of people that try to persuade or tell you or lead you. All these other things are okay. And we all can find our own way to get to heaven. Not according to the Bible I read. There's one way. So Lord, tonight, I thank you for for providing that way. I thank you, Lord, tonight that you've been so patient with me throughout my life. And that day that I came to you, I came to the gate, came to the door. God, you welcomed me. Freely, you welcomed me in. And tonight, I'm so glad that my eternal life is found in you. Father, tonight I pray that for us, I pray a couple things tonight. I pray, Lord, number one, that our lens would be more eternal than temporal. I pray, God, tonight that as we look at life and we look at the the thought process of our life, I pray that we would, as the Scripture says, have the mindset of Christ. The mindset of Christ was focusing on eternal things, not just temporal. Things that moss and rust and moths destroy, but not that stuff. But the things of eternity. So God, tonight I pray, help our focus to be on that. Number two, I pray, help us to find people who are lost. And show them where the gate is. Help us to find people who need to know you and through your love and your goodness and your, um, you inside of us, we attract them to you. God, I pray, help us to unwaverly and uncompromisingly preach the word and to share this gospel message because it's the power of God to salvation. We thank you tonight. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.